I am social lubricants. So I was walking by this dumpster and I found a stack of magazines. They were like tied up with twine, like a Christmas present, you know. So my first night in really heavy seas, um, I, I kept getting thrown out of the bed. <laughs> on the cruise ship, there are 80 dishes on the buffet. So, I mean, if you can't find something to eat at 80 dishes, then you shouldn't be out your house. You know, we make, you know, twelve to $20,000 a month. Welcome to Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. We have another great guest on the show. Yes, we have a fascinating representative on the show today. Her name is Rachel Zavala, and she is a master chef. And not only a chef, but she's a chef for, I, I would imagine, longshoremen. Or I saw some of her videos. She's on a boat making these Capitol Grill-style dishes that looks very delicious. But, but Rachel, tell us. Tell us, hey, how did you get started or, or what is it or that you're doing on the boat and just your whole culinary experience? Well, I've been a chef since I was a little girl. I always knew exactly what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. So I um, started my own catering company in my 20s. I went to culinary school in my 30s and then uh, was working at big fancy restaurants in San Francisco and Oakland and including Park Tavern and Plank and the monk's kettle, and then I won um, Chopped, the Food Network's Chopped, um, so I'm a Chopped champion, and then um, I had some things happen in my family. My son passed, and COVID hit, and things just got super crazy, and I just wanted to do something a little different, and um, I don't know. I guess I kind of ran away from home. You know, I went <laughs> and ran away to um, – Started working on at Norwegian Cruise Lines, and I ran their buffet for a year. And then after that, I became a merchant marine. So now I work on ships that are transporting petroleum products, and I feed all the guys on the ship. So I live on the ship and work seven days a week when I'm working. So I can work for six months in a, in a row, or I can work for two months in a row or three months in a row. And I'm making uh, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the boys, and I love it. That is so cool. So tell me this. So I, 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 I've been on a few cruise ships and that's, I mean, it's so much food, so many different restaurants on the boat. When you were the cruise ship person, were you over all the buffets or one buffet or how does the hierarchy work? And then is it different? I, I would imagine that it's, it's, it's the same crowd when you're on a merchant marine boat. Is it drastically different or what's the pros and cons of each? Yes. So on the cruise ship, I ran the only buffet on the ship. So I ran the Aloha Cafe and uh, we served breakfast, lunch and dinner to 2,000 to 2,400 people. So it was a massive operation. I had a huge staff. Um, everything was just had to be perfect all the time, you know, and also super corporate recipes. I really couldn't be super creative as a chef. So now <laughs> on the last boat I was on, I was on an articulated tugboat and it was 10 people. And I can cook whatever I want. I have unlimited budget. Um, I can make steak and lobster every meal if I wanted to. And boys would probably like that. I'm sure. But, um, but yeah, so it's incredibly different being on the ship. The thing that's the same is that you are working seven days a week. So on the cruise ship, my longest days in a row was 170. So I would work 13-hour days, 170 days in a row. 
Um, it's a lot easier on the smaller ships. So I'll be on tankers and rollies, which are transporting like cars and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's such a different lifestyle from being a chef at, on land because on a chef on land, you're working six, seven days a week and you don't really get time off, but on a ship you're making a lot more money and you get six months a year off. So it's just like kind of a crazy thing, but you have that trade-off of not really, you know, being home for part of the year you're out at sea, but you're traveling to crazy places, Japan and Africa and all kinds of cool things like that. So it's, it's just a very different lifestyle. So Rachel, my mind is literally blown right now. I have like a million questions for you, but we, we, don't, we don't have that kind of time. So I'm trying to prioritize them in my head. So let's start from the beginning. So most okay. people live, you know, some people, some people, not most, some people live their entire lives trying to figure out, ah, what is it I'm supposed to do? I don't know what I want to do. I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. At a young age, you realize you wanted to be a cook, a chef. Where'd that come Yeah, from? so I was, I was walking, I, I, we, I grew up in the projects. We were really, really poor. Okay. And uh, my mom was in college uh, working hard to, you know, get her young self uh, financially viable. So I was walking by this dumpster and I found a stack of magazines. They were like tied up with twine, like a Christmas present. You know? Yeah. And I, 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 I love to read. So I grabbed this, this stack of magazines and they were gourmet magazines. And it was just like to my poor, <laughs> you know, little self, I went up in my little tree house and I read all summer. I read these, these magazines and I just, you know, I think it was like eight or nine. By the time I was 10, I was babysitting and I would save my money to buy like spices I couldn't pronounce. (laughs) And uh, I just knew, I mean, I read those books and I just wanted to be a chef. You know, I wanted to be a great chef like the chefs I was reading about on the pages. So I just knew right away when I was really young, but that was kind of the the start of it. And then take me back to when you first got validated, right? So there are times when we we realize, oh, I'm going to be an artist. And so we start drawing and painting, but then... You know, at some point we realize, ah, I'm not good at this. Or if we're lucky enough, we realize that, oh, yeah, we have a talent. When, when did you get validated? When did you realize, oh, I'm pretty good at this? Well, uh, you know, when I when I was in culinary school, I, I bought the cheap, like, chef set. It was like 100 bucks for all my knives, okay. right? So one of the big – and I'm one of the few girls, right, that do what I do. It's definitely a man's world out there in the chef world, yeah. but – so one of these big braggadocio guys comes in and he's showing off his fancy Japanese knife that he paid, you know, a billion dollars for. Right. And um, <laughs> our, our, the head of our program sees this guy just bragging about his knife. And he says, hey, Rachel, go get your, go get your chef's knife. <laughs> and I did. And um, he goes, all right, Nick, uh, if you're such a great chef with this great knife, I'd like to see you and Rachel cook the same dish. Ooh. And she's going to use her $7 knife. And let's see who does a better job. Okay, okay. And, of course, I crushed him. You okay. Know? <laughs> what, what did you make? What did you make? Uh, at the time, we were making pâté grandmire, which is um, – it's like French meatloaf, but it's it's a lot more complicated than that. It's it's a pâté. It's a force meat. And, um, and, yeah, it's a very highly specialized kind of like meatloaf. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, so we both made it, and of course, mine was didn't break and was really beautiful, and his was kind of a hot mess. So wow. after that, I was like, "Yeah, I got this. Right. You know? This is what I'm, what I'm here for." And I'll pass back to <laughs> yeah. Smiley here. My, my, my next question is: Chopped. Tell me about how that uh-huh. came about, and the feeling you had when you won. How, how did it come about? <laughs> well, I always tell the story this way, and I hope it's okay if I say this word yeah. on your podcast. Yeah. But um, 
So in my field, there are not very many women. So they really, really try to have a good balance on the show. And so I think I was cast because I have a vagina, (laughs) because I'm a girl. (laughs) But I had a friend that sent me the flyer and said, you should apply to be on the show. Um, And I think I did it in July. And by August, I had been cast. So they did a couple of virtual interviews with us. And then they um, they flew out to uh, my little restaurant at the time that I was working at, which was called The Growler. It was in Danville, California, and they filmed a bio. And then I went to New York for three days. It was the only time I'd ever been. I went and stayed at this little youth hostel in the Chelsea district. And um, we went to the, <laughs> to the Starbucks in the morning, and you can tell who the chefs are. We all had our knife bags on our back. Okay. And uh, I looked at my competition, and I was like, I'm totally going to win this. <laughs> You were like, I've got this. <laughs> they were all super young and really nervous. Uh, and uh, and I had a lot more experience. And experience is, you know, it's pretty valuable in those type of, you know, clutch situations where you really have to think on your feet. And sure. So, yeah. So, we went in there and I, I just got lucky, honestly. I mean, I didn't have – I mean, I left something off the plate in the first round. I cu- or I cut my finger in the first round. I left something off the plate in the second round and I still won. Wow. So, just pretty unusual. So. Wow. And the feeling you had when you won. So describe that feeling. Uh, it sounds like it didn't come in as a complete surprise to you. <laughs> well, after leaving something off the plate, I was a little nervous. But it's a really long day. I was in New York. It was January. It was really, really cold. There was just a blizzard coming into town. Every All of the staff was trying to get out. And uh, when I won, it was just like surreal because I knew... You know, it's like being a heavyweight boxing champ or something like that. It's like this title that will follow you for the rest of your life. And it opens up doors and it it changes things for you forever, you know. And so I didn't have anybody with me on the trip. I was there by myself. So, And they don't let you have your phone all day long. Mm. So (laughs) they're walking me out and they're congratulating me, patting me on the back, you know. And literally just walk me to this door open the door and poof out into the cold in New York snow. <laughs> Back to reality. <laughs> and I'm like standing out there, this California girl freezing her ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I immediately called my daughter, who I'm really close to, and called my best friend. And I was like, and I had told Tasty is my best friend. And I was, I had told him, as long as I don't cut my finger or leave something off the plate, I think I have a good shot, you know? And he's like, how did it go? <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I <laughs> you know, I cut my finger. Yeah. I left something off the plate plate and he's like, oh, baby, it's okay. You know, that's okay. I know you. And I was like, no, no, I won. (laughs) And he was like, ah, you know. So, yeah, it was was really fun. Well, tell me this. You mentioned um, this boating, I mean, sailing around the world. You hear that about uh, Navy guys or Navy representatives. But tell me, what are some of the – coolest spots you've been to that you didn't anticipate you mentioned japan and africa but like did you go to <laughs> south africa to ghana where did where did you go no, that no, you no, never no. thought you would be that was cool so my very first uh my very first boat i went on <laughs> they fell madly in love with me and didn't let me go and that boat went from la to san francisco so oh. <laughs> that's, what I've been, that's what i've been doing yeah. but uh but right now i just upgraded my certifications so that i can go on the larger tankers so 
I'll be going to New York to visit with uh, my friend Wayne. And then after that, I will be um, going out to sea and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm hoping to go to Japan or Africa or someplace like that. So, but I've been to Hawaii. I lived for a year in Hawaii on the cruise ship and um, traveled to all four of the islands and got a lot of, there's a lot of time to be off the boat and to, um, especially in my position, um, and to explore wherever you are. So I'm really excited to, to get so so cooking on land which is stable but you're from california it shakes every now and then (laughs) when you're on a boat it's shaking constantly did you have to change your game or did you have to work on your balance or what do you do when it's rough seas it's ready to eat meals that time when is the weather bad noodles so yeah no 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 um you're that is a very very good question because there are times when it's 10 to 12 foot swells for us where your knives are sliding all over the counter. Things are falling off the counter. Um, we have special um, bar roll bars that we put up to keep pans on the stove. You, you're not going to use a deep fryer because the oil is just going to, you know, that's a good point. Slosh right <laughs> out. Be a bit, very much a hazard, a, a health hazard. But, um, but yeah, it's crazy. I have some really funny videos, which um, I can, I'll send you guys some uh, of the videos, yeah. but there's some really funny videos of, of me trying to keep everything. Like you can't just put your coffee on the counter because it's just going to go flying off. It's the same as sleeping at night. So my first night in really heavy seas, um, I, I kept getting thrown out of the bed. <laughs> I had this, <laughs> literally, like cause you're just dozing off and then all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> and um i had this big shelf uh, right behind my bed and and serendipitously in the middle of the night there'd be like a deodorant falls on my head or a book falls on my head and i had to like clear the whole <laughs> i had to clear the whole shell all the shelves off yeah. because uh, it was a hazard but yeah it is it's very different trying to to cook on the ship and all of the cabinetry locks closed so mm. when you close you know the 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 silverware drawer or anything like that it has a little button that actually locks it closed mm. or stuff's going to be everywhere yeah i have two more questions then i'm gonna turn it back to dre but one is um you're in the food business are you regulated by safe quality food fisma or any sort of the food regulation that occurs on land with uh say driscoll's or any of these big food manufacturers does it extend to the water or is it a totally different organization? It does extend to the water. So especially on uh, Pride of America, uh, the cruise ship, we are regulated by the by the um, by the by the Coast Guard. So we actually have weekly, twice a week, we have very 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 intense um, inspections of the kitchen. So they're constantly checking to make sure that we're everything is immaculately clean. That all of the food is being served at the correct temperature that we're storing everything correctly, labeling everything correctly. So that's what happens on the cruise ships. It's very, very regulated on the smaller ships. Um, I, I do have a, a national certification, a serve safe, um, manager certificate. So I have, and I have to keep it updated. Um, but they don't, we don't have inspections on the smaller ships. They're, they're just, we're expected to be educated, to have a certain amount of knowledge, uh, as a baseline to even be on, even beyond those smaller ships. So. No, that's awesome. Um, my background, I work in the food industry and, um, we deal with the SQF and BRC and all the different regulatory bodies, GMPs of these manufacturing facilities. But the second question is you mentioned earlier that 
there's not a lot of women. Do you think that's changing over time as they see you on Chop Champion and the other young ladies see more women that that's that the trend's changing, or is it just something that's been exclusively for men and that's why it's hard to bust into that realm. It's definitely changing, especially in California where DEI is very much a, you know, it's very much a focus of, especially I'm from San Francisco. So, you know, we're very, very, you know, diversity, equality, you know, being inclusive. Um, so I have seen that change actually quite a bit just since, you know, I've been a chef. So I've been a chef maybe what, like 30 something years, but, um, on the ships, it's still very, very, very much. Uh, I have never had another woman on the smaller ship. So obviously, on Pride of America, there of the twelve chefs on the ship, three of us were females, um, and we were a very tight, tight, tight group of girls. Um, but on the on the out on the uh, Merchant Marines, there ha- I haven't met <laughs> really other women that do it. So um, I'm always the only girl on the ship. Um, I definitely bring mama energy to the, to the, to the table and the boys are always very, very sweet and very protective of me. And yeah, it's it's actually a really familial, obviously we're together, you know, all the time and 24 hours a day for however long. So it's very familial and I'm a good cook. So they're always trying to baby, baby mama because she's (laughs) making the good stuff. You know what I mean? She's okay. We eat well. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, so tell me this, Rachel. As you think back over the decades you've been a chef, people's dietary needs have evolved, right? Um, Gluten-free, dairy-free. Some people are just picky eaters. As a chef, uh, whether it's in a restaurant or on a ship, a cruise ship especially, how do you address those needs? Because if if you're cooking, and I have no, no idea about cooking, but... I imagine if you're cooking large meals, right? It's difficult to create large meals with a variety of dietary needs. So how do you how do you address that? On the ship, it's really easy. So uh, my boys on on my last ship were all really in very good shape. They're young. They're in good shape. They wanted healthy food. And so I'm from California, where a lot of our cuisine is very produce focus like we're focused on that farm to table you know you uh, want the freshest ingredients okay so on the ship in the morning i try to provide quite a bit of variety so i always have fruit or protein smoothies for them when they get up in the morning so uh-huh. when they get up they're going to order for me what they want from breakfast but they can sit you know and have their little smoothie while they're waiting at lunch i always have a very extensive salad bar so wow. they can pick what they want off the salad bar and i'll do like you know smoked salmon and some chicken breast and hard boiled eggs. And I'll have a little composed salad, you know, pasta salad, something like that, and a variety of dressings. So if the boys are really trying to, you know, stay fit and they do, we have a gym on the ship and they do work out a lot of them work out every day. So I do try to just have healthier options on that salad bar and I'll always have a soup for, for lunch. And usually it'll be like tacos or a burrito or quesadillas or a sandwich or what have you for lunch. Mm -hmm. So they always have a pretty good variety. And, um, same for dinner time. We always have a salad bar, and they. And my style of cooking is just lighter. I like produce, and uh, so there's always going to be like a nice, you know, some asparagus or or green beans or something like that mm. for them to eat. But definitely, anytime there's something fried, they get very excited about it. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> but it's really just about providing, you know, a variety. My captain was a super picky eater, and he wasn't always down to eat, you know, mole or whatever I was making. 
So I would just always have like a piece of chicken or, or steak for him to, to have that alternative. It's easy when there's only 10 people on the ship, you know, to kind of like you get to know what they like and what they don't like. And sure. so it's kind of easy to accommodate it. But what about on a cruise ship? How does that on the cruise ship, there are 80 dishes on the buffet. So, I mean, if you can't find something to eat at 80 dishes, then you shouldn't be out your house. You know what I mean? Like, like just stay home and eat your Pop-Tarts or whatever it is you, you like, you know? Because, I mean, like, there's a lot of variety on the ship. A lot of variety. So Yeah, the cruise ship, or not, I'm sorry, not the cruise ship, but the other ship you mentioned sounds like my kind of ship to be on in terms of it has a gym, you have smoothies for breakfast, you have a lot of fruit. That's the way I should be eating, you know. Where can, can me and uh, Smiley take a cruise for like maybe six months Come on there, on and just, so, so we can get right? And then, you know. Exactly. Just, yeah, you would love it. It's a lot of fun, actually. Okay. I mean, it's beautiful being out on the ocean, and you're really connected to nature, and it's it's a lot. I mean, I really I really love what I do. So I can tell. I can tell it shows through. So this this may end up becoming a, one of our one of our segments, Smiley. Let, let me know what you think. So. Um, I mentioned this on one other podcast, the GBU. So my, my family, whenever we have we have experiences as a group or individually, I'll ask what has been the good, the bad, and the ugly from the experience. So we think back 30 years as a chef. Uh, I know one of the challenges you face is being, you know, one of the uh, minor- minorities in terms of being a woman, right? There are a few women. Give me the other GBU. Give me a GBU in terms of what it's like being a chef, generally speaking. Um, the good is if you have ADHD, which clearly I do, um, you, there's just, you're always multitasking. There's always the adrenaline rush. There's always something going on. You can be endlessly creative. You can endlessly educate yourself. You never know any, you, you're never going to know everything, you know, about food and cuisine and different ethnic cuisines. There's so much, there's always something else to be learning. So that's the good. That's the thing I love about it. And taking care of people. Like I love to feed people. It's a very intimate, loving thing to do. And I, I really enjoy it. The bad is, you know, it's a, it's a servant uh, industry, you know, and they treat you like your time is not of value. So if you're a salaried chef, you're working all the time and they don't respect your boundaries with your home life. Um, it can be incredibly consuming and I think you'll, that's one of the main reasons that I, I left, you know, regular restaurants is because I just wasn't ha- getting time to myself. I needed time to grieve my son's loss. I needed time to just, you know, for myself to do stuff. So um, that's kind of the bad of it is that they really treat you kind of like you're just a servant and it's a vocational job, you know, yeah. <laughs> very blue collar, you know, yeah. so it doesn't get a lot of respect. Um so the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. I don't know about. I don't know. There's. I, I don't know. <laughs> to me, and, there's and nothing. There may not be ugly, an ugly about it. You know, like I actually. I mean, it, it would be that. You know, the sexism is hard. You know, it was hard for a long time. You have these super bro chefs. You know, the guy he's got his own apron that he brought in. He can't use the one that we get from. You know, <laughs> Alsco. He's got the big garlic clove and the cleaver tattoo on his arm, you know? <laughs> is that a thing? Just, oh, it's such a thing in my industry. It's such a thing. Okay. And they're so annoying and condescending. And um, then you get on the line and then you find out that, you know, they're not that great. And right. I'm running circles around them. And then it's just, right. you know, then it's, then it's always fine. But so, yeah, definitely, you know, 
that's why Chopped was a huge thing for me because that's really stands out on your resume and mm. that's going to get you that job ahead of, you know, Mr. Garlic Clove Tattoo. So. Validation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me, tell me, I always wondered this, especially going back to the cruise, because I think I've been on three or four cruises and the volume of food that's on the boat. And then at the end, like, it seemed like there's a lot of waste. Would you say it's 20%, 5%, 70% food waste? Because I always see a buffet, it's always stacked. And I'm like, they can't leave it here forever. And I can't believe everyone's eating all these no. fries and burgers that are there. Okay, so what you're, what you're really seeing is, so we actually replenish over and over and over. So we're only putting out a small amount of the total food. Right. So even if you see the buffet at the end of the night and it looks really full, it's probably a very small percentage of what we actually made to serve that day. So what happens is on the on the cruise ships, we have a giant uh, garbage disposal. We call it the, the pulper or the grinder. And all of our food waste goes into this giant garbage disposal and then it's fed back to the ocean. So we go we have to go out a certain amount offshore and then we can. Uh, we can dislodge it from the ship. So the food doesn't get like thrown away. It kind of goes back out into the ocean and it goes to like, I guess, feed the fish or whatever. Mm. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, I know it seems that way, but those little tiny, like they're like these big containers and you'll see like that amount of food. That is such a small percentage of the food that we're actually creating to, to feed people. So it's really not that, I mean, if let's say we, let's say we do a hundred pounds of chicken, you know, we, we might throw away three or four pounds. Like, mm -hmm. it's really not that much, believe it or not. <laughs> so, no, that's fair. I was always curious about that. So let's get into the, the business side. You mentioned the trawlers, the tugboats, and you mentioned you just got your certification to travel. So I live in Tampa, Florida, and in Miami, yeah. you have those big old yachts. Like <laughs> yes. Larry yes. Elliston yachts, the Bill Gates yachts. Is the experience like the chef on those yachts similar to the experience of what you're doing? It's it is a little different because it's a lot more intensive. So when you're on the when you're on the the luxury yachts, um, you're basically on call if there is a charter on the boat. So if there's anybody on the boat, the owner, or if they've chartered it out to guests or what have you, um, you're basically on call 24 hours. So like let's say you have 15 people on the boat and you know, a couple of them get up at three in the morning and are like, we really like a snack. So you're on call to get up at 3 a.m. and go make a snack. So when on my little ship, I, I, I have three meal times. My meal times are, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they're just an hour each. So if you're not out eating in that hour, then, you, you know, eat. that's it. So that my, my, my work schedule starts about 5 a.m. and I'm done by like 6, 6.30. And I have plenty of downtime during the day, right? So like, it doesn't take much to make some eggs. Like after breakfast, I'm going to go chill out, you know, watch some TV, whatever. Um, yeah. On the cruise ship, everything is very tightly segmented. So you are working 13 hours a day, but four hours of that is breakfast. Four hours of that is lunch. Four hours of that, you know, is dinner and then an hour of shutdown or what have you. So it's very, very segmented. So it's very different from the, from the luxury yachts because the luxury yachts are basically on call 24 hours a day and you probably don't have a staff. It's probably just you, maybe one prep cook or one utility is what we call dishwashers. Uh, so you might have one person helping you clean or something like that. But for the most part, I see some of these guys at the end of these hitches where they've 
had a lot of charters and they're just exhausted. Like they have like not slept in weeks <laughs> because mm. they're, if they have that type of client that really wants, you know, that round the clock service. So yeah, it's very different. Mm. So from the business part of it, what is um, like in corporate America, you get the entry yeah. level, you get the CEO at the top, CFO. So in the chef world, is it the, to own your own restaurant or to own your own ship or, or what is like Nirvana, the top of the pole for a chef with the hierarchical and like, this is my dream. If I could rub the genie and get my best chef job or chef position. Well, there are two different paths. There's the path to like fame and glory, right? You want to win shopped and you want to work at the best restaurant mm -hmm. in San Francisco and you want to be in the newspapers. I mean, I'm very Googleable. I don't know if you guys have Googled me, but it's easy to, easy to find me out there. You know what I mean? Okay. So there's that path. Um, and that path is poorly paid <laughs> and, um, very consuming. Like, I, have you guys seen the movie, The Menu? You got to see this movie. It's very much like you just, your whole life is trying to be innovative and you're thinking about food all the time. And mm. that's all that you do. Like, I mean, you know, if you have a partner, they better be in the industry or they're not going to see you at all, you know? Mm. So that's one path and that's the path to fame and glory, right? And then there's another path, which is like more of a financially focused path, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or you want creative freedom or you just want more freedom in your life. And I think I'm at the age where I'm more focused on, you know, financial freedom and being able to do whatever I want, like having create, you know, being able to travel. Right. So that's this other path, which I'm on. And, um, so for the, the money path, you're going to start down at the bottom. You're going to work your way up to executive chef or chef owner, right? So that's that path. On my path, you're going to start as like an SA, which is like a steward attendant, which is like washing dishes, things like that, and you'll work your way up. Because of my culinary background, I never had to do any of that. So I started as like a, a, a chief cook. So I started as, wow. you know, somebody who is running a galley and, and um, doing the ordering and doing all the menu planning. So I've already been doing that. The certification I'm getting now makes it possible for me to do that on the largest commercial ships, right? So I've been doing it on smaller ships, so now I'll be able to do it on the larger commercial ships. Wow. And then there's a – so, yeah, that's kind of the progression, right? And, um, you know, we make, you know, twelve to $20,000 a month, and we get – PTO. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> you buried the lead. Hold on. You can just, can just gloss over that. Wait. Circle back. Circle back. Where, are are y'all hired? Exactly. Exactly. So, so I can make, you know, I mean, the average for me is like twelve dollars to $16,000 a month, and I have six months off a year. And for those six months, I'm being paid for three of them. Wow. So Hello. it's just, yeah. <laughs> so it's like... It's and I get to travel all over the world and I get to cook whatever I want and I get to pick and choose where I where I want to be. So it's very very much a life of freedom and mm. financial security, you know what I mean? So like when I'm off, I'm really off. I mean, you think about it you, when you're working your job that you're working at right now and you've got you work your 5 days a week or your 6 days a week and you have that 2 days off. What do you do on your day off? You're like doing the laundry and you're like trying to go grocery shopping and you're like thinking about work. To, thinking about work, exactly. When I'm off, I'm off. Like I can do whatever I want. I can take a month long vacation somewhere. I can go get an Airbnb in Italy if I feel like it. So like there's just a lot of and I have the money to do it, you know? Like I mean, I probably make twice what I would, you know, if I was working 360 days a year, Sure. you know, 
searching out that fame and glory, you know. So, so. that is so cool. And before I turn it back to Dre, so if when once you get your commercial and you start traveling around the world, does that mean do you have to get passports for? I mean, do you have to get a passport? Do you have to get visas when you? Because when you're traveling on a cruise ship and you go to Honduras, you're only there for three hours, so they let you off. You got to get back. But when you are on these other type of commercial vehicles, would you go and dock mm -hmm. there, say in Africa or let's say South Africa for five days to load the boat and then you get to hang out or do you got to get visas every time you go to port? No. So we have special transportation worker credentials. So we have specific and it's very difficult to get them. It takes quite a bit of time and you have to have special training. So I have two different credentials. One is a MMC, which is a Merchant Mariner credential. And then the other one is a TWIC card, which is a transportation worker credential. So I have two different credentials that allow me to get on and off the boat. I also have a passport. So I have a passport as well. So there's a lot of specialized training that we have. And there are special classes we have to take um, and Coast Guard endorsements that we get that go on our MMC, which looks like a red. It looks just like a passport, but it's red. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of special stuff that we have that makes it so that we can travel freely. Like I have to have medical exams twice a year. I have, um, you know, lots of inoculations you probably <laughs> have never even heard of, you know. Uh, so it, <laughs> like, you know, yellow fever, I have to get a shot for yellow fever. Um, but yeah, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that we do that makes it so that we're able to to travel. Like internationally. Okay. So, Rachel, a real reason that I was excited to have you on is because I have a 15-year-old son with a hellacious appetite. Give me a meal mm. that I can make for him <laughs> that's easy to make. I can teach him how to make um, something, you know, affordable, not lobster or anything like that. Good chance. Mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a picky eater. There's a good chance that he'll actually eat the meal. What do you recommend? Well, I would have to ask him a bunch of questions. Like, what does he like? Is he like crunchy food? Does he like seafood? Is he avoiding what? Uh, does he eat pork? Does he, does he well, not I'll eat pork? I'll tell like you his go-tos. Kind of you can he? tell me. Maybe you can okay. give, give an idea based okay. on that. His go-tos are pizza, hamburgers, okay. fries, uh, chicken wings, uh, ramen noodles. Uh... I did say he was a 15-year-old boy, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So what do you, what do you recommend? Well, all of those things are, are fantastic options for 15-year-old yeah. boys. I mean, what I would do is I would probably try to have a lot of fresh fruits or fresh vegetables for him to put in that ramen soup. Uh -huh. So I'd maybe try to, you know, steam some okay. asparagus and just get a bunch of stuff. Because, you know, you've seen the really pretty yeah. ramen where they have the yes. egg in it and they have yes. the chicken in it. So that's what I used to do for my son when he was okay. young is we did have a lot of spicy ramen and stuff around the house, but we'd really doll it up with a bunch of extra okay. things. So put some protein in there, put some mushrooms in there, whatever it is you think okay. they'll eat. And then drizzle it with like a little spicy, you know, sriracha or some okay. gochujang. And then. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. And I'll circle back and let you know how it goes. that's easy. And, that's yeah. easy. I can teach him how to do it. Um <laughs> I mean, I can tell you how I do pizza, but it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very laborious. Why doesn't that surprise you know, me? So. I, I'd love, I'd love to come, come on one of your ships somewhere, so I can just get, a, get a meal and get a sense of what these boys uh, are, are, are getting on a regular basis. So tell me this before we go to the final four here. You shared a lot. You have an, you have an amazing story, an amazing journey. What's one thing that people don't know about you that you wish they knew? 
I don't know. I'm like super outspoken. So I think everybody knows everything kind of about me, but I grew up on an Island. So I grew up on an Island on the Stockton Delta. I had to take a boat to school and um, it kind of was one of the first things that really turned me on to food because we were right across from this, uh, a farm. So asparagus grew wild on the Island and we'd eat wild asparagus and uh, we had blackberries grew wild on the Island and we'd make blackberry cobblers and we, um, had a big fig tree. We'd eat figs, you know, all day long. So it's like part of my connection, I feel like, to nature is that growing up like that. I took a boat to school. We lived like very rurally. There's only four other people that lived wow. on the island besides yeah. my family. And so, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, my first job was at this place called Lost Isle, which was like this really raucous, crazy, wild stripper poles, you know, island out okay. resort. And, um, and yeah, the first time I won the wet t-shirt contest, I was too young to collect the prize. <laughs> I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where was this island? Like, like Smiley, Smiley's trying to get over there. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Smiley's not, like, how can I get there? The address, <laughs> the, the, the address is Light 24, <laughs> Lost uh, Isle, Stockton, California. I think it's 95209. So I still wow. remember the address. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's way out there. On the, but it's also part of the, Stockton is the largest inland port in the United States. So it's also like a commercial, you know, shipping way awesome. and stuff. So. Wow. That is so cool. Well, tell me. So t- I may, I may twist this question up a little bit because the first final four question is usually alive or dead. If you were to have dinner with, uh, three other representatives. You're at the table and three other representatives. Who would they be and why? But I would have put a twist on it and say, you're a master chef. If you had the luxury of cooking a meal for three representatives or four, alive or dead, who would those representatives be and why? Well, I probably would pick a Bartolomeo Scappi. He was uh, he was the chef for Pope Pius V. Oh, <laughs> in like 1570 so like a long long time ago uh and i actually still cook some of his recipes so he has these amazing he's italian obviously and uh, there's this crate he has this book that he wrote the the opera of of mm. scopi and i've made several of the dishes from that and i'd love to modernize them and like serve them back to 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 this master chef so that's one um probably alice waters because I'm just such a huge fan of the movement that she started with um, farm to table and like getting to know your farmers and having your hands in the soil and having your hands, you know, on fresh produce and stuff like that. So I'd love to, to, to cook, cook a meal for her and just talk to her about how that all started and like what inspired her to, to like do that. So that would be my second, uh, my second person. And then Probably would love to just make another meal for oh, my son, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sure it would be Nutella okay, and something. Okay. But... <laughs> yeah, that's great. He loved raw oysters. I don't know, you know, just to be able to be do mommy yeah, yeah. food, you know, do mommy food for my family. Their favorite was always this pasta dish. So we would take anchovies and garlic and hot pepper flakes wow. and we'd and we'd toast breadcrumbs in this in this mixture and then just toss it with butter and pasta. And it was like my kids like Go to like you yeah. know mac and cheese or whatever sounds, they loved it. So that was like our family that sounds dish. Sounds good. Sounds good. What would you, what would you say has been your greatest success? Um, 
I think my greatest success is reinventing mm. myself during COVID, you know. I mean, it was just such a difficult time as a chef. We were all working like 70, 80 hour weeks because we were all on salary and they basically laid off every every hourly employee. And just being able to to be in the middle of that chaos, in the middle of that crisis and trauma and be able to say, all right, that's enough. This isn't healthy for me. I'm not happy. Um, what else am I going to do? You know, and I still want to cook. I still want to be a chef. So I, you know, it did all this exploring and went out on the the cruise ship and decided, you know, I love this life and this is what I want to do. And I am really, really coming back into peace and to happiness and, and joy and love and, you know, all of those things. So it's been, I mean, Chopped, winning Chopped was sure. amazing, obviously. But I think for me personally, you know, just being able to reinvent myself during this period of time and at my age, yeah. you know, yeah. 53, um, I'm just excited to be able to come through that, you know, and, and be in a better place. I love that. Oh, that's awesome. So um, what would you say is your unique superpower? I am social lubricant. Okay. <laughs> social okay. lubricant. I love that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. If your party's dry and boring, call Rachel. <laughs> I'm there. Uh, but no, I'm very, I'm very much a people person. I'm a one percent extrovert. I, um, I love people. I don't have a lot of the people fear that probably is normal and <laughs> healthy. <laughs> I don't have any of that. I just love people, and uh, so I'm an uber extrovert. And I am also, uh, I just, I really love people. So I can hook people together and connect people to to things that they're interested in that maybe they're too shy to you know, explore themselves. So yeah, so I think that's my superpower is social. I love it. love it. So in my mind, you clearly have at least two books in you. One's a cookbook <laughs> and one is an autobiography. What would the title of your autobiography be? Um, probably something along the lines of chef, chef life, you know, a girl, knife, and fire. Oh, I like it. I like Something that. Girl, like that. Fire. Something like that. That is so cool. Well, Rachel, we want like to thank you. I want to thank you so much for taking time out to uh, to speak to us. Are you on a boat now, or are you are you land bound? So I'm at a US, U.S. Coast Guard facility right now doing some assessments and certifications so that I can all leave uh, out again probably uh, May 18th, 19th to go out to sea. Well, thank you very much for just being here. Your story, I've, I've never met anyone who, who's been a chef at this capacity. Uh, I met the person at the Capitol Grill here in Tampa and a couple of local restaurant chefs, but... Your your whole experience is just intriguing and fascinating to me. And so thank you very, very much for joining the podcast and sharing your amazing life with our listeners. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And um, I hope that, you know, that, you know, representation means everything. I hope there's some little girl out there right now going, hey, yeah, I want to travel the world. I want to yeah. be a chef, you know. So I'm always trying to... Um, you know, if you got, as you guys know, showing up means everything to the, to the kids coming up and wondering sure. what am I going to do when I grow up, you know? So thank you for that for opportunity. Sure. Yeah. And I'll just add to what Smiley said, you know, prior to meeting you in terms of your experience winning Chopped, I guess the most successful chef I know or knew is the lady that works at the hot wing place down the street. So, <laughs> so 
the, the, the bar the bar has been raised. Your story, your, your journey, I'm not going to diss good wings. I mean, I, yeah, I love I mean, them. You gotta so. have them. You gotta have <laughs> that them, woman right? has you my complete respect. <laughs> right, right. But you know, your journey is amazing. You know, um, my condolences for your loss. Um, the fact that you're able to make a pivot at this stage in your life successfully, right, says a lot. You know. And you, you hinted on this just a moment ago, you know, hopefully this will be inspiring to anyone of any age who has an interest in, you know, living out their passion, which you're clearly doing. Thanks for being on our show. Thanks, guys. All right.